I'm going to speak to you in just a moment on the subject of the coming temptations. I want you to understand in the course of this message that the, that the devil is out to destroy you and to devour you. I want you to know that before you put your head on your pillow tonight, regardless of who we are, we're going to face some temptations. For some, it's no big deal. If the temptation comes, I just yield to it. I just love to go with what everybody else is doing. If it's popular, then I'm going with it. Don't get on that road. Stay on the road that God puts you on and do what God tells you to do and to give yourself to him and be prepared for the day that will come when you will stand before him to give an account of yourself to God as to how you spent your time, your talents, and your substance since becoming a believer in Jesus Christ. Now, if you're not a believer, you've never professed your faith in Jesus. If you were to die today, according to the Scripture, you would spend eternity separated from God. You're separated from God now. That's the reason temptation is easy for you. There's nothing in you to help you fight against all of the sins that come your way and all the temptations that come your way. You have no defense. You have no immunity. There's no power in you. You're just like everyone else. You just want to go with the flow. So I encourage you to pay very close attention. If you're watching on the Internet, watching Living Truth, listening by radio, I hope that wherever you are, that you'll know that God has a plan for your life. Now, I want you to listen to the Scripture. We're going to Genesis chapter 3. I'm going to read to you seven verses. I want to show you where the mess that we're in got started so that we can know where it came from. Therefore, we know whether or not we want to stay in it or not or we want to get out of what happened in the book of Genesis. Listen to chapter 3, seven verses, beginning with verse 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said unto the woman, you shall not surely die. Now listen, the serpent contradicts immediately the scripture and the word of God. God says, sin kills you. The devil says, no, it's fun. Eat, drink, and be merry. Have a good time. But let's go on. Two more verses, three more verses. For God doth know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open, and you'll be as gods, knowing good and evil. Satan doesn't want you to know that, good and evil. But it will happen. It can happen. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat. And gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves 
aprons. If you go on and read the rest of the chapter, you will see the continuation of that story. That story began sin. In this world, we're all tempted. Wherever you may be, in any part of the world, Satan is there with his demons to tempt every living human being. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 in the New Testament, there's some good news. Here it is. There has no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation, listen to this, also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. Now, here's the choice. You can stay in the Old Testament and be miserable, fighting it in the flesh, or you can be born again and invite the one into you that makes you have power over sin and temptation. And you're able to break through the barriers that most people will never break through. As I told you in our message last week, that in India, in China, Christians are growing literally by the hundreds of thousands, while in America, we're going just the opposite. America has denied its God. America has turned away from its God. The statistics are all out there. The churches are getting more and more empty as we approach the day of the Lord. But the Bible still says to whosoever will, come unto me all ye that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. If Jesus comes today before the baptism and you don't make it to the baptism, but if you have been born again and invited Jesus Christ to come in your life, you're a born-again believer, you're a child of God, and you'll be absent from the body and present with the Lord. But if you are a born-again believer and you've never been baptized, it's because you're ashamed of the gospel of Christ. You don't want to go public. You want to keep it to yourself. My dear friend, when Jesus comes into your life, you can't keep him to yourself. That's not the way the program is done. This is not some kind of religion. It is a relationship of which many people that say, well, I'm a Christian. I have a Bible. Got six of them. Don't read any of them, but I sure buy them. I never share my faith, but I try to do the best I can. You know what? You can't do very good. And I can't either. But he that's in me can if I let go and let God have his way. Oswald Chambers in his book, My Utmost for His Highs, says the golden rule in temptation is go higher. Now, what he means by that is it's one thing to deal with some sins down here. It's another thing as we get up here. In other words, when you, when you tempted here and you felt, well, I made it. I woke up this morning. The temptation is let's try another one. Let's try another one. Let's get a bigger one. Let's go into this. Let's go into that. That's not what you want to go. What you want to do and what I want to do is to let God take over our life so that we can be what God wants us to be and then we can be living proof of a loving God to a watching world. Most people, if not all people, have difficulty in dealing with success. If you are super good looking, super rich, super personality, you got problems because those, all of those things can lead you into temptations that are unbelievable. 
They can put you into situations like some you may have noticed where your sins or your accusations make worldwide news. But you believe like, I'm going to get by. I'm as good as the people that I drink with. I'm as good as the folks I run around with. Listen, it has nothing to do with how good you are. It has to do whether the blood has washed you white as snow. And the temptation is, though, to go with religious people instead of with people that have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Often, if you live long enough, you'll see that after you have a great blessing, it's going to be followed with a great temptation. If God blesses you with money, your next temptation is to rob God of your tithes and offerings. That's the way it works. If God gives you good health and allows you to go about, you don't go about and share your faith. You do not move about and use your time and your talents and your substance for the glory of God. So one thing has led to another thing, and it gets to be more and more difficult. And then when there's unguarded strengths, then we have a double weakness. When we don't control the things that are going on around us and in us and don't confess our sins. Some of us are so naive, we don't think that we sin. <laughs> Others say, well, I know I sin, but I don't think God knows about them because I do them in the dark. <laughs> and on and on we get in this. But what you have to do is just pause for a moment. And when you have a lot of strengths, could I caution you? And would you challenge me in the Bible? A lot of those that were followers of God in the Bible, they fell because of their strong points. They were popular. They were powerful. They were wealthy. They had all of these things that you say, that's, that's a great blessing, but that's in the area where they fell. It's one thing for me to jump off this stage. It's another thing to jump off that cross out there. The results is far different. But what we have to do is to realize that each of us have an opportunity to win the battle over temptation. You and I don't have to do what Satan wants us to do. We do not have to do what the culture is doing. We do not have to do what our friends are doing. We don't have to do that. We choose to do that. And the consequences are the same. Regardless of how religious we act, doesn't matter how many times you go to church, doesn't matter how many dollars you give, it doesn't matter. That's not the issue. The problem is, do you have a personal, intimate relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you like to read his letters? That's called the Bible. His word. Do you love to pray and talk with him? Do you love to just be still and know that he is God? Can you look at the beauty of nature and, and admire it for the creator who made those beautiful birds and those beautiful sunrise and those beautiful sunset and the stars and on and on and on? Where do you live in the area of temptations? Now, it is not a sin. Listen to me. It's not a sin to be tempted. Jesus was tempted. The sin is to yield to it. To yield to it. Hebrews 2.18. For in that he, capital H, himself has suffered being tempted, he is able 
to secure them that are tempted. And then listen to Hebrews 4.15. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Now listen. But was in all points tempted as we are, yet was without sin. It's not a sin to be tempted, folks. But don't put yourself in places where the temptations begin to grow. When all the arrows are coming you from every direction, it is hard to keep all of those arrows down. What you want to do is to just walk in obedience to God's command with the shield of faith, the breastplate of righteousness, the sword of the Spirit, and all of these kind of things, but to go about being what God wants you and me to be and to do. One more time, none of us, none of us will ever avoid temptation. You can be tempted at the church house just like you can anywhere else. But, but hang on. When Satan put Jesus through the same kind of test that we're put through, they were allowed by the Father. Now listen, your temptation and my temptation could not come if the Father did not allow it. He allowed his son Jesus to be tempted. But Jesus was without sin. See, you're not, if you're not getting tempted, I'm such a good Christian, I never get tempted. Be careful about that one. Be careful. The more you walk with God, the more you're going to get tempted. The higher your profile, the more likely you are to get shot at. But when you understand, as the scripture that I'm trying to teach today says, that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we think or ask. Now hear me. Some people don't want the temptation to go away. They enjoy the temptation. They like to see how far they can get close to just falling off the cliff. And then backing away and hope they don't slip and fall. That's not the way God wants it to be. God has a different plan. Since Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, lives in us, temptation that Satan threw towards Jesus, he will now throw it towards us. We're his kids, we're his heirs, we're joint heirs with Jesus Christ. And so now as we go out into the battlefield that, that God has chosen for us to be on, this generation, at this time, we are faced with temptations. And our responsibility is to know how to deal with them. One of these days, we're all going to be somewhere in eternity. Is that something we can agree on? That 100 years from now, you're not going to be living in Houston and, and sitting in Sagemont Church? I think we can agree on that. And you know what? Well, I like this part. If we're saved, bless God, we're saved from the very presence of sin. There ain't going to be any more sin in heaven, folks. There ain't going to be no temptation in heaven. As he is, so we're going to be. But here we are faced with it every single day. But right now, Though we're saved from the eternal punishment of sin, we must deal with the suffering that is caused by sin today. 
Everything we say, from abortions to alcoholism to anger and murder and divorce and all these things that we hate to see come to pass, we know how hurting they are. That's this world. But this world is not our home. There will come a day like it was with Jesus. He was tempted here. He stood against it. But then there is no more temptation. Satan will bring anything into your life and anything into my life that he believes will separate us from God. Anything. 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 I have seen thousands of people in my more than a half a century in the ministry that can't have a happy day because of sins they committed 35 years ago. They can't get set free. I'm telling you, folks, the blood of Jesus cleanses from all sin. I'm telling you, folks, if you'll confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. But many of you have been saved 25 years ago and you have never put on the uniform of baptism and tell the world I'm not ashamed that Jesus Christ lives in my life. That's where the problem is. We've got to get set free from the tempter and know that God will do what he said he would do. Never leave you. Never forsake me. Listen, long as God's standing right here, no weapon that's formed against me will prosper. And as long as God is standing with you, no weapon's going to knock you down. I don't care who their lawyer is. I don't care how much money they have. I don't care how strong and big they are. If you know Jesus Christ, he that's in you is greater than any of that mess. But you've got to come out and be separate. As long as you're tempted to stay with the crowd, you're on your way down. Big time. And for eternity. So listen to the word of God. I have some questions for you. What is the biggest temptation you face in your life right now? This is rhetorical. I want you to think about this. What's your biggest? What would you say? This is the biggest temptation I have. Uh, does that temptation only happen at a certain place? Number three, does that temptation only happen with certain people? Uh, does that temptation affect the way you act and the way you think, which lead to things that you may do? Is there a particular area of your life where you fail on a regular basis. I can't help them getting mad. Some people just get on my nerves. Well, I just can't put it down. I can't keep from picking it up and having one with the gang. I mean, is there some sin where you just, you just can't make it? You just can't make it. Well, what would the Lord say to you? He'd say, stay away from it. If you got people that make you get mad, get away from them. And if you look in the mirror and start fussing at who's in the mirror, you've got a problem. We have a wonderful counseling center here at Sagemont you need to come to. But, but what you've got to do is, if you're in a, a certain sin at a certain place and at a certain time with certain people, maybe, just maybe, you need to take it to the Lord, confess it, and leave it there. 
and go your way rejoicing. I hope when you get home that you'll go back and read that Genesis chapter 7 and those three and those first seven verses. Because, ladies and gentlemen, Satan knows what it takes to knock us off our feet. He knows. Not a single one of us have strengths in every area. And where we're weak, Satan knows. Where we're strong, Satan knows. If you're a new Christian, listen to me. You can get so strong in your life, in your character, some things don't even tempt you anymore. If you have to get there through the blood of Jesus, you can't do it yourself. But when you get there, then you can say no to things that need a no. And you can say yes where there's a need of a yes. But that's a journey. That's a journey. So when you look at this message, Satan told Eve and convinced her that she could challenge the Word of God. When God speaks, we better listen. Eve thought that she could get by with it. We think it's the same thing when we're away from God. I can get by with my sin. I can talk my way out of it. I can pay my way out of it. I can spend time in the penitentiary and get out of it, whatever. Or you can take that point and say, look, Satan is the messenger. Now keep this in mind. He is the tempter. 2 Corinthians 2.11, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. You need to know, and I need to know, the things he uses to tempt us and cause us to fall. When we know who the enemy is and how he works and where he works and with whom he works, then we can stay away. But if we don't, we're going to the same movies, watching the same television, associating with the same people, doing the same things they did, and think, but I've been baptized. And I know I'm going to heaven because I got eternal life. The only way you can get eternal life is to be born again. The only way you can be born again is by the blood of Jesus. And if the blood of Jesus has given you a new life, old things passed away and all things have become new. Has that happened in your life? If not... We need to talk. We need to pray. We need to seek the Lord and see what his will is. Satan knows how to trap us. Satan knows some people just all he has to do when he's mad at you and you're having a bad day is just have somebody come over to see you that you don't like. And they don't like you. And they get on your nerves and here they are. I mean, when you, when you just are getting that point, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm about to break. I'm about to break. That's when you need to get to the prayer spot and be still and know that he is God. But don't challenge God's word. People today try to doubt the word. What has God really said? In Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, listen to this. And the Lord God took the man, put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat of it, for the day you eat thereof you shall surely die. 
Question. Is that understandable? If you got a letter and that said that you, would you say, well, Lord, what do you mean by this? I don't think so. I don't think we have to wonder what God's saying. I don't think we have to, to go around in the fog and just wonder, God, I don't understand what's going on. If you read the Bible, you know what's going on. And it's 24-7, every single day we're alive. Someone may say to you, well, it may say that in the Bible, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's true. Listen to me and read my lips. Yes, it does. If God says it, that settles it. And a fool will deny it. God's word is sharper than a two-edged sword. It is powerful. It is strong. But it is real. If the devil can get us to doubt the word of God. And that's what's going on today. And I'll say to you, as I say many times, our pulpits of American churches are filled with messages today that have nothing to do with the word of God. It has to do what people want to hear that will make them a little happier and maybe can continue on a little bit longer on this horrible journey. You can't live that way. It is a truth that sets us free. It is he that gives us new life and a brand new start. It is he who pays our sins. It's not about having good representation in the court. It's about knowing the King of kings and the Lord of lords who we come to know through Jesus Christ, his son. And there's no other name, no other name, no other name. Satan got Eve to question the authorship, as God said, and the accuracy of the word. Don't go there. Many of every denomination known on the planet doubt the word of God, yet they call themselves Christian. And the sad thing is a lot of us know the word of God and what God said, but we choose to obey it. And that's where we get into struggles and turmoils and heartbreak because we somehow just can't let go and let God. I have another question for you. Has God changed? Since Genesis 1-1, has God changed? Now it's 2018. I don't think he's changed one iota. He said, I changed not. I'm going to believe that. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I don't know when he's going to come, but I know he did come. I do know that Genesis is the word of God, and it's inspired and inerrant. I remember parents back years ago, many years ago, who would use phrases like this. If you do that, I'm going to spank you. I happen to have a daddy that I just quoted. <laughs> can I assure you, when he told me that one time, and can I assure you that he was 100% correct? Never did he think it over again. Never did he say, John, come on, let's pray about this now. We need to go to Bible study and we need to read this and that. So it didn't take that long. I didn't have to go six months for a correction center. 60 seconds alone with my father. Got my mother smiling again. 
but that's the way today we're so foolish. We just think that we can just ignore God, eat, drink, and be married. Tomorrow we're going to be, I come to church, I do more than everybody else and so forth. That's not the word of God. That's not the word of God. When you look at 1 John 2, 16, you see the sources of the problem. 1 John, now not the gospel, John. 1 John 2, 16. Are you ready? For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of this world. Your problem is this world. My problem is this world. I don't have a problem with God, but I have a lot of problems with this world. But God wants us every day to walk with him, to talk with him, to tell others about him and to serve him and to give that others might know him. And I'm so glad that our mission dollars that are going across the world are bringing people in Africa and China and India and other places. Vietnam, I just talked to one of our missionaries just returned from Vietnam and people are still being saved in great numbers. It's only here where Christianity is going down and down and down. As we're seeing our wonderful nation sell its soul to that which profits nothing. God's word says that our sin nature causes us to have two strikes against us. We think wrong, we do wrong, and then we don't turn to the one that can save us. You remember in the garden, eat the apple, don't eat the apple. The food was brought up. We have natural desires and Satan uses the outside world to attract us. Uh, our fleshly desires, which you could associate with good food, our mental desires, which has to do with curiosity, to be successful. These are the temptations that we have today. And they come so very, very, very often. This is the way Satan works with drugs. You start here. Now try this. Now try this. Now try this. Now this will blow your mind right here. This is what you need. And then we see the finished product. And we gather at the funeral parlor and we weep. How could it happen? It's Satan. It's him and him alone. The garden had a boundary. Don't eat. Here's what you eat, but you stay here. But they did not. They wanted to go back into the world. Now that's where we have to struggle. And we'll go away from here, either prepared or not prepared. You can turn off the television and be prepared or not be prepared. You can go to other things and say, I think I've got what the preacher wanted to say and I'm going to move on. But my dear friend, unless you have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, Satan is going to tear you apart. Not maybe, he will. He goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And as I've told the sage my crowd for many years, and I've been there many times to Africa, a lion does not knock you down and run off. He stays until he devours you. And that's what Satan is referred to. He's a roaring lion. Tear your marriage up, tear your health up, tear everything that's meaningful to you up. Unless you have Jesus to fight him off. That's the only answer. 
that there is. Satan, Satan never tells us that the wages of sin is death. But God tells us. Satan did not tell Eve the truth. You eat it, not going to affect you. Drink it, not going to affect you. Get in that relationship, ah, have fun. Not going to affect you. Oh, yes, it is. Oh, yes, it is. And many it is already affected. So who are you going to believe? Got a choice. God, Satan. God, Satan. If God be for you, who can be against you? Satan. Can he win? No. Why? Because he fights the battle. You don't go out against Satan. You put him on Satan. And the only thing you'll see be the back of Satan as he's going over the next hill. Because he knows I've tried to fight the blood and I lost. And on Sunday morning, the Jesus that shed his blood on Friday rose from the grave on Sunday and now sits by the right hand of the Father to make intercession for us and we win. We win. Going to overtime, we win. Going over, we win. Well, give me one more chance. We're going to win. We're going to eternally win. Every day with Jesus will be sweeter than the day before. Every generation in heaven is going to be sweeter than the generation before. But God has made it clear, don't mess with the truth. So before you yield, in 60 seconds, I'll give you four things. Before you yield to sin, there's four questions that I want you to be ready to answer. Number one, if I yield, am I willing to accept the full consequences of my disobedience? Number two, am I willing to pay the price if I yield to that sin? Number three, is it really true that my yielding to this temptation will bring to me what I'm looking for, which is peace and joy. By yielding to it, is it going to bring you that? And number four, am I going to yield to temptation or am I going to believe God and walk away? Leave it there, leave it there. Take your burdens to the Lord and Leave them there. She can trust and never doubt. Jesus knows about you. Satan will not take over because he that's in you is greater than he's in the world. Amen. Now, fellow human beings, some saved, some lost, some, some born again, some not. We're going to go from here now. Only you and only I, I can, I can make my decision for myself. I can't make them for you. You have to make them for yourself. I can't make them for you. But decision time is here. Decision time is here. I have never heard or seen so much unity in the fact of the Christian world of believing Jesus is coming soon as right now. And if you have any idea what's happening in this world from news, you know what I'm talking about. And so today, you can say yes or no. 
For some of you, you've passed the half century mark and you're still saying no, no, no. Later, when I get older, when I get over in the nursing home and I'm on oxygen and I can't get to my sins, I'm going to pray that prayer. In fact, I've written it and got it tied to my hearing aid. And I'm going to get that out and I'm going to read that. Dear God, have mercy on the sinner and save me. Oh, thank you, Lord. I'll see you in a little while. No, you won't. Not the way you want to see him. Because if you're not saved, you're not entering. But if you are saved, you'll have a new body, a new life. You'll have everything you need for eternity, forever and forever. And we'll be in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ in the place called heaven.